Hey y'all! Welcome to NOLA Hots, a podcast to raise awareness about congenital heart defects and discuss resources about CHD and some other stuff. We're just two heart mamas from New Orleans doing this for heart mamas. Our dads, grandmas, aunts, friends, whoever may want to listen. That's Susan Oakland. And that's Lana Stevens. And we feel like we've got a lot to say. Welcome back to NOLA Hots. We are in September. There was a, do you like how they said there was a cool front today? <laughs> I mean, there was a slight cool front. It wasn't a cool front. It just was 80. There was a breeze. Yes. Yes. And was. the humidity wasn't the humidity a dropped thousand. A bit. Yes, so it, it was. It was as good as we're going to get mm-hmm. for September. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, welcome back. We're in September now and we had a great time at the Henry's Bowling. Yeah, I loved it. In the AC. Yes, it was great. <laughs> if y'all missed out on that one, next year it's on because it was fun and I was cute. Just so you know. <laughs> Atlanta did have a good outfit. Yeah. Her team, her team did well. They, they we did came. well. We did not do well as far as bowling goes, but that's fine. We were totally there to look pretty and support. Yeah, but your our outfits look good. We came in. And we had a good time. Outfits. Yes, we yes. did. It was very nice. So, um, thanks for hosting that. It was much. I enjoyed that more than City Park Night, which is less. I think a lot of people did, and we had a lot more people interact, like older people who participate in bowling but wouldn't have. Ridden yeah, on the rides. They go, well, you they know, probably wouldn't have gone to City Park, right? Because what do you right. do if you don't ride ride? Right. So it, it was it was nice, and I mean, I love bowling. Yeah. I didn't get to bowl. Dwayne bowled, so I couldn't bowl. Well, y'all looked cute in your bowling. <laughs> Someone shirts. had to take care. Yeah, of it. right, right. But y'all wore your bowling shirts, and that was cute too. So we did. Yes. Congratulations on a successful event. We look forward Thank to you. more. Thank you. So next month, our heart girls turning. She's turning the big one eighteen. Yeah, she's gonna. We're gonna have um, an episode. We're gonna interview her. Which is weird to me, I think. I don't know. We've interviewed her before, but I feel like this is going to be a little bit different. Um, so, on her birthday, her episode will drop. We just haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> like her coming of age. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yes, she's getting, she received her class ring this month. She had her ring dance last night. She's doing all the things. She's living her best life. She was nominated for a homecoming court, which was a complete honor. She did not get on court, which we are... More than fine with because we are too busy with other stuff and she had a million other things going on the same weekend. So it was very, very nice and an honor and just kind of one of those things. Um, Makes you feel good. Well, and I told Kevin, I was like, this all, you know, everything that that happens um, in her life is so special. So that like the nomination was, you know, special I know everybody says, I know everybody says, oh, really is an honor to be nominated but like that means a lot when we don't know we didn't know where we were gonna be so yeah. to see all these milestones is pretty awesome so yeah i agree we're good we're good now how are the boys adjusting to high school we're getting there yeah we're getting there okay they asked their homecoming henry days. you know it's funny I, um i i don't know if this is because he's a hard kid or it's just his personality but you know loud noises and large crowds really freak henry okay. out um, and I never put much thought into preparing him for changing of classes in high school. Okay, and that's busy. And so, you know, the first week he just looked very dazed. And um, finally I was like, are, you know, are, are you all right? Are we okay? And he's like, it's just a lot, Mom. And I said, okay, well, what's going to help? He's like, I mean, there's like people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I didn't realize that when he was at Christian Brothers, you know, he stayed in the class. And the teachers would move. Yeah. So, like, it wasn't, you know, and then he went on the first day, and it was over 1,100 boys yeah. moving in three minutes to get to that next class. And he was very mm-hmm. overwhelmed. You know, he has to adjust to change yeah. to begin with. And then yeah. we had to adjust. So, we're getting there. Yeah. We're get- School-wise, yes. He loves being there. Yeah. He loves the whole thing. But just, you know. Eighth grade's a good transition year. I mean, we're trying to figure it all out. 
you know? So, well, good. All right. Well, today we have a special guest. Um, she is a doctor. She told us not to call. She said she's very, very, very casual and to not to call her a doctor. But I'm going to announce her anyway. Um, Dr. Elizabeth Wat- Wisner? Wisner. Wisner. Yeah, I almost said Wisner. It's with uh, Dr. Elizabeth Wisner. She is um, an allergist and immunologist um, mm-hmm. at Children's Hospital New Orleans, but she's also a heart mom. Um, so we are going to chat with her today um, about her journey and kind of how it's affected um, her professionally and personally. So, um, yeah. Without further it. ado, let's invite our friend Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth Wisner. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Hi, doing well. Thank you for having me. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little about your heart warrior, how you became um, a CHD mom, his, you know, the defect, all the things. So Thomas was, um, he had intrauterine growth restriction. So I was followed by high risk for from about that? 20 weeks until birth. So that's basically where they don't grow well in utero. Oh, okay. And um, so we, at that point, started with MFM visits. I mean, three times a week. We, at one point, were referred to pediatric cardiology because he had a small pericardial effusion. And when we went, he had this beautiful scan that they did and they said that the heart looked perfect and said come back in about um, four weeks. So we went back for a second fetal echo that again was lovely. They had all the text in there saying this is the most beautiful, you know, image that we've ever seen. And they were using it as a teaching scan. So when I was induced at 38 weeks, because he just wasn't growing well, and they felt, of course, he's going to grow better out than in. And so when he was born, it was a super fast delivery. I mean, I was induced and he was born within five hours. And um, he came out not breathing very well, you know, had some transient tachypnea. He was brought to the NICU and that was very unexpected. um, And he was four pounds at 38 weeks. So when we got to the NICU, he needed a little bit of support. He had just a high flow nasal cannula and he had hyperbilly. He stayed there for about eight days. And then on the day of discharge, they said, you know, we hear a little murmur. It could just be a PFO, um, patent for Emino Valley. And they did an echo. It wasn't great because the echoes are, are done by the adult hospitals aren't perfect. You know, they don't. Anyway, so then we were discharged home. And a week later, had our first cardiology visit, and it was our same cardiologist we saw prenatally. And I'll never forget like, it. Y'all were supposed to follow up afterwards, okay? Just because of the echo that okay. they did in the hospital, um, and when he was in the NICU. So then, I will never forget him because he walked in with a box of tissues, and he sat mm-hmm. down and he said, "I'm so sorry, I didn't see it." And we were, I mean, floored. You know, we had been told this was a very beautiful echo. Everything was fine. We were really kind of laughing about it before and we were really forever changed from that point on. So he had a VSD, very simple. And I know that, you know, being in the medical profession, I I understand this is the easiest one. And everyone told me that actually, like, this is the good one. But to me, it was still something that was going to require my child being on bypass and and all those things. So that's kind of how we, how we found out. And originally they said, He'll probably get it repaired by a year, you know, and when we went for our three month follow up, he just was not thriving. I mean, he didn't eat well. It took him hours to drink an ounce of of milk. And so then um, they told us it had to be repaired within the next couple of months. So that was very shocking. You yeah. know, we were not, not anticipating first? that. Yes. Okay. He was our first. He was mm-hmm. your first. And do they think in hindsight, looking back, that that had something to do with the growth? No, separate. Okay. No, and we we really don't have answers. His story kind of unfolds 
even now, there are lots of other things that have popped up. But, um, you know, he really, I mean, he did really well, you know, other than just being a slow grower and everything. He didn't need oxygen. He wasn't on diuretics or anything like that. But knowing that all of a sudden that one visit changed the whole path and we were told he needed surgery, you know, it was, it was very shocking for us, for sure. And what year was this? This was 2018. Okay. Okay. So then he was how old when he had his repair? He was five months and he was only eight pounds at five months. It's teensy, teensy. And, you know, the surgery was, of course, it's very straightforward. And and where we went, you know, we did go out of state for surgery and my mom came with us. And, um, you know, the anesthesiologist was just wonderful. She carried him away in a warm blanket, you know, Mm -hmm. and my mom told her, you will probably never remember us, but we will never forget you because she really treated him as if he were a child, someone's child, her child, and not right. just a patient, you know, and right. he, um, he had a great repair, you know, I think it was, it was certainly a very long day for everybody. It took about eight hours. And ironically, he had anaphylaxis in the operating room. And um, okay. the, the surgeon was kind of laughing because I'm an allergist and immunologist. And he said, of course, this child had anaphylaxis, but it was very quickly recognized. Wow. Beautifully to epinephrine. And then we stayed for six days in the ICU. And then he went home and he was a completely different baby. You know, he was happy and thriving and he was feeding her and growing and yes. And laughed. We had never really heard him do the belly laugh that everybody loves to hear so much. And he was, I mean, the day of discharge, it was truly a 180. Mm-hmm. you know, from what we had experienced. And looking back at pictures, you know, because he was my first, I never really recognized how sleepy he was. Yeah. Every picture, he looks so tired. You know, yeah, and I, just I was going to say that if you don't know anything to compare it to, then you're like, you don't know how sick he was until he was better, really. Yeah, exactly. Modeled and just, you know, had mm-hmm. just didn't look well, I would say, retrospectively, you know. Um, so, so that was kind Thomas of... He just turned five in May. Okay. So um, he's doing well. We just, we've had a few other things that were kind of surprises pop up. So when he was three, he was diagnosed with right-sided sensory neural hearing loss. So he wears a hearing aid and he had normal hearing his entire life. And of course I went down this rabbit hole of, did he have a microembolism or something from bypass? Mm-hmm. Um, and really no answers at that point. He did get genetic testing done. He had a whole exome sequencing and he had nothing found on the genetic screening, which is great. But certainly as a parent, you kind of are, are You almost want answers, know. right, right. He wanted an answer. Find so something to explain it. Exactly. And then um, he really has stayed very, very tiny. So he's always been off the growth chart, well below the first percentile. And so at four, we started growth hormone shots. So he gets yeah. growth hormone every single day, except for Fridays. This is one day off. So that's an injection that he gets every night. And he's gone from less than the first percentile to the, I think he's at the fifth or seventh for height now within a year. Wow. So okay, that's great. Beautiful weight gain. Very yeah. excited. Yes. And well, along the way, yeah, we, we kind of jumped right it. into him and his story and, and kind of your journey mm-hmm. with that. But just, and I know you mentioned it just in your story just now, but um, just for our listeners, you are in the medical field. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do and you do work, do you work with pediatrics, correct? So I'm a pediatric allergist and immunologist. So I take care of relatively common things like food allergies and asthma and atopic dermatitis and 
But then I also take care of patients who have recurrent infections, who may have a problem with their immune system where they're more susceptible to getting sick. So we certainly, we're a big referral center for immunodeficiency at Children's. So we see very rare disorders that need transplants and things like that. So I have a lot of very well kids and then certainly have taken care of lots of very sick kids along the way too. And you obviously were doing that before you became a mom is my assumption. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I made it worse. At, that's what I was going to say. This is probably a very, probably know too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. And I heard yeah. you a couple of times I went down the rabbit hole. I did this. I did that because when you know too much, you know what to look for, you know what to research, I guess you could say. So how do you feel like, um, if you don't mind me asking this question, do you feel like becoming a heart mom changed you as a physician? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. Yes. So I certainly, um, I think there are a lot of things I probably couldn't have done, honestly. A lot of my ICU rotations, I, of course, I would have done them, but they would have been very, very hard being a parent and especially being a parent who's been in the ICU. And it actually, you know, after his surgery, when I would go to the ICU to see consults for babies with the George syndrome, for instance, mm-hmm. who, you know, may commonly have a, a heart defect, I had a little bit of PTSD. You know, it was really yeah. upsetting to be in there and see these babies and the parents, but I've met so many amazing parents throughout the journey. But I think it certainly taught me a lot more about, you know, just all the stages of grief that go along with, with a diagnosis like this, even if it's a, if it's a relatively simple one, it's yeah, unexpected yeah. and you can't prepare yourself for that moment. So I, I definitely think that it's made me a better doctor. I think I have a lot of um, moms who need extra TLC and I'm the only mom in our group, in our division at Children's. And so I think sometimes, um, you know, it just, it helps sometimes. And yeah. and we often need to be told, you know, you're doing a good job. You know, this is hard. And so I have really special bonds with my my patients and their parents, for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, but like you mentioned, though, I mean, knowing kind of what to expect was also horrifying at times. You know, right. I had a really right. difficult time enjoying Thomas and those months leading up to surgery because I was just dreading what was to come. And I would rock him and look at his little mouth and see an ET tube, you know, or I would look at his chest and know exactly what what it was going to look like after and what chest tubes were like. So that was difficult. You know, my husband is not medical. So he was doing a lot of YouTube video researching and, you know, please don't do this. But no um, Google, stay from Google. no YouTube, stay away from Google. Like, I feel like that should be our tagline on here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. So, is he going to need anything in the future, heart-wise, or is he essentially he is, a better word fixed? He's fixed. Yeah. So he goes back for his hopefully very last cardiology appointment, and next week actually. And then after that, we'll be, I think, done with that specialist. We certainly <laughs> follow oh, lots so of that's good. So he's like discharged for yeah. lack of a... Yes. He'll be I didn't that was possible. I didn't, I didn't either. Well, we don't have the simple one and dozens. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a I know. liar. Yeah. I don't have a one and dozens for sure. Um, well, how, I mean, and so how is he? Is he in school? Does he realize what he went through? Does he talk about his heart? Yeah, he does. So he is in school. He's in kindergarten um, and he loves school. He's always talked about his heart surgery and how brave he is and, you know, all the things. We have a little book about the surgery and all the pictures documenting it. And every year we celebrate his heart anniversary. So it's on October 12th. And we bring something for the class and he gets to kind of talk about it. And I've I been surprised. That. That's really cute. It's a good I never thought to do that, but that is a great idea. 
Thank you. I mean, I'm sure there will be a day where he's like, mom, please, we can't, I don't want to bring cupcakes. So we're not talking about this. It's no big deal, you know, but I'm surprised at how much he likes to share about it. You yeah. know, and he's but says, I think that's um, really good. Cause I don't think my kid shares enough probably. Yeah. I, you know, like, yeah, I do believe that. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this because our kids are older and they're teens and they're, they're older. So it is a different generation. I think I mean, because think about it, the adults that we know that have had CHDs, they don't even, I didn't know about it till, you know, w- way after I knew these people that they even had CHDs. Yeah, well, my not to that out. one and until Henry was diagnosed, I didn't even know he had one. Right. And so, I'm like, oh. I did not ever know. <laughs> I didn't talk about it at all. No. And we, obviously, we talked about it. But like, now it's like this new generation of not only does mom talk about it, but kids are talking. Like, it's just like everything, those conversations are becoming more normal. So yeah, that's awesome. That's just an awesome. And we've you know? definitely tried to normalize, you know, the physical parts of it. You know, the scar is, you right. know, if somebody asks you, it's a very matter of fact, I had heart surgery and same thing with his hearing aid. You know, it's, yeah. what is that in your ear? He gets questions all the time. He I'm says, sure. It's a hearing aid and it helps me hear. We've just given him one liners for all those that's questions. That's it. And like every, every question is an opportunity for education and for, for exactly. age and peers and to know how to um, respond to people that look or have different, you know, different things on them that are just different from their own build. So yeah, we don't all look exactly. the same. Yep. It's a good, yeah. good thing for him to be able to do. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do y'all, um, we always ask everybody, um, you know, do you have one piece of advice you would share for other heart moms out there or other physicians who become a sick kid parent, you know, um, or maybe both really, because you're kind of twofold on that. Yeah, I think, one thing that was hard for me, I'm a really private person. Typically, this certainly doesn't seem like it, but I am. And I was going to say, going through and we're, difficult. we appreciate you being on our podcast <laughs> on many platforms. <laughs> I enjoy sharing his story very much. It's certainly a huge part of our, our life and our yeah. marriage and everything. But um, I really believe that you have to give yourself space to grieve what you're going through, no matter how small it is or how big it may be, because I, that was difficult for me. I, in the moment had to, I felt like I had to be really strong all the time, you know, and very objective and okay, we have to get from point A to point B. And I, I feel like on the back end, I dealt with a lot of the the trauma of what we went through later, you know, like having to go see those consults in the ICU where my heart would just start pounding and thinking back like, oh my gosh, this was Thomas. And in the moment, and even in this first couple of years, looking at all the pictures, it didn't bother me, you know, the tubes and, and the wires and all these things, because it meant that Thomas was alive and he was doing okay. Yeah. Well, and you just put sometimes, the other. Exactly. And then, but sometimes I'll pause and, and I'll just sit there like, I can't believe that's what we went through. And I can't believe that that, um, I think that journey just, it maybe would have looked a little different if I had given myself the, the space and just the grace to to say like, yeah, this stinks, you know, this wasn't mm-hmm. expected and kind of mourn what I was, what I thought we were going to have. And that, that beautiful newborn period of, you know, just cuddling the baby all the time and not, you know, just your only visit was a well visit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if y'all have read that poem, Welcome to Holland. Um, I always have yeah. shared that. If you haven't ever heard it, it's a, I think sometimes it's been a little debated. Some people feel like it may minimize people's journeys, but basically, you know, long story short, it's a wonderful essay about you're going on a plane and you're going to Italy and you're excited about all the pasta and all these things. And the pilot comes on and says, welcome to Holland. And you're like, I don't want to go to Holland. I wanted to go to Italy. And I had all these plans and I realized that Holland is wonderful and it has its own things and it may look different, 
but it doesn't make it worse than going to Italy. And right. so it's a nice kind of analogy. I that I love that. And and it's okay with you when we promote um, this episode, we would love to be able to share that on our, on our social media. If we, if there's Please. like, think of, I've never heard of that. If we can find it somewhere, I'd like to share it. Just because, I'll send it to you. Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's excellent. Um, so I think that's, you know, one biggest piece of advice is just to give yourself the space to be upset and then pick yourself up and move along and just rely on your village of people that will help you. I, it's hard for me to accept help. I'd like to do everything mm-hmm. myself, even when I'm like wearing 10 million hats. I'm always, oh, it's okay. No problem. Right. I, got it. I think we're all <laughs> And I think, and especially in, yes, I think especially when you have a sick kid of any type, um, I think it's a control thing. Like you can't control your kid being sick. Right. So you got to control what you can, Mm -hmm. you know, like I remember I used to feel like that. And then at one point my husband was like, I mean, you got to take some, and I had reached a wall of exhaustion to where I just like succumbed to it, you know? Yeah. And um, do you think that's part of it? Like I couldn't control if Henry was going to make it or not, or how long he was in the hospital, but I could control what we were eating. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, absolutely. There was a day in the ICU that he had a chylothorax and they're not supposed to have any fat, you know, if they have this leakage of of fatty fluid out. And so they told me overnight, you know, he can't have breast milk. He has to have this low fat formula. And I lost it. You would have thought that, I mean, some horrific event had happened, but I was sobbing crying. Because in that that moment, it was. It was. I was pulling up PubMed articles about centrifuging the fat off of milk and how you can still give maternal breast milk. And they were like, okay, it's okay. We actually can do that here at this hospital. But so the surgeon came by the next morning and I was just crying, like, can I please give him breast milk? And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was a little <laughs> freaked out by my reaction. But it was the one thing I felt like I could control. Yeah. I mean, I pumped yeah. for this child for 14 months of his life because it was right. like, the only thing I could, I felt like I could give him, you know? Um, And I think, you know, as a a doctor, we're trained how to take care of people and patients. And you can sometimes find yourself in these unexpected situations of being on the other side of things. And I learned a lot about what it's like to be a patient. And I think that that certainly has, you know, it does, it changes how I, I approach certain situations or give bad news because we've all been in that position of receiving bad news. Well, and you're in a very, not an especially unique situation because you take care of pediatrics, which means you are dealing with parents, which is you. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that that, like you said, I know you mentioned it before, like there's no way that this can't make you a better physician. There's no way it can't, that it couldn't. Oh no, exactly. You know, I mean, bedside manner is everything. And so I think we all, I think we all learned and I'm sure I can't speak for everyone. I can, I can speak for Susan. I think we've all fired staff more than once. <laughs> there was one day yeah, that we they were the only and patients said, and parents in the whole entire ICU. So we can do that. Well, you know, I, I, I do say this and, you know, and I'm, I can laugh about it now because yeah. it's, it's 14 years later, but I remember specifically arguing with one of Henry's surgeons and I was like, look, you may know hearts, but you do not know my kid. Right. So you have got to be in the middle that I'm going to acknowledge, you know what you know, and you're good at it. That's why I'm here. But you don't know my kid. So you have to like, give me a little, Mm -hmm. a little little credibility in this situation. I always tell my trainees, you have to trust the parents because they know their child best. And 
you know, they're advocating for their kids. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, if there's something that I think we could do, you know, better or differently and the the parents on board, well, obviously I'm going to take that feedback, you know, and, and I feel like shared decision-making is so, so important. And I remember one day they they came into the room to take Thomas's blood. And I said, wait, what are we doing? We're going home tomorrow. Why do we need to get blood drawn? You know, and it was a very sweet resident. And she said, well, you know, I'll talk with the team. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, you do that. You know, (laughs) you do that. Get back to me. (laughs) And the team comes in and of course they're not getting the labs, but it was funny. And later I never advertised, like I'm a physician. I mean, it's not, Right. It's not relevant. That's, many that's times, like a you know? big red X on your face. Yeah. I feel like if they yeah. medical, uh-huh. that's like a whole nother approach. Exactly. But it was so funny because the cardiologist was asking her questions about what are we looking for on this discharge echo and all these things. And she kept the, I don't know, you know, heart function, bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there mouthing pericardial effusion, pericardial effusion, trying to help her out. And the attending goes, Dr. Mom over here is trying to give you some hints. And she was like, Ooh. I mean, oh she clearly goodness. had no idea. That. Right, right. But, she had no idea. <laughs> Not only laugh because it's like, you know, we, we didn't meet you until right now. And, but we've all, we've all been there. We've all done it. Like every one of us have said it and done it and been in the same boat. It's crazy. Absolutely. I know. <laughs> it's the emotions too uh-huh. in the moment. Oh God. Yeah. You know, you're just like, I am tired. Mm-hmm. I am still scared. Even if the surgery's over. Yeah. I don't know. I'm tired of cafeteria food. Right. <laughs> exactly. You want to go home. You want to be in your own bed. Yeah. And all of I want my kid home. Yeah. I want yeah. my family together. Yeah. Well, yeah. we really appreciated chatting with you. Is there any last words of, of wisdom you gave us? I love the whole, you know, give yourself the space. Um um advice that you gave I think that one of my favorite parts of the podcast is hearing everybody's advice at the end and I like that one it was a very um different one we hear a lot of the same ones over and over which is not bad that means that we're all it's all probably good advice so um thank you for sharing that with us and um we look forward to sharing pictures of you and your family and your sweet Thomas and I'm glad he's doing well well thank you so much I appreciate the opportunity it's nice to meet both of you thank you Elizabeth that was great. She was so, so sweet. sweet. She's a sweet little, cute little mama. And um, can't wait for y'all to see pictures um, of her adorable little family. And, you know, I think that we often get so caught up in these really complex defects that we're used to. And that some of the the patients that we, um, and families that we talk to, that it's very important to point out that a one and done fix is also equally traumatic. Well, yeah, because the whole process the is whole traumatic. process is traumatic, and so I love to hear that. Like, okay, he's he'll hopefully be signed off from cardiology soon, but that doesn't take away what they. I went think she's the first, the first yeah. person we've interviewed whose child will actually be discharged from cardiology. Yeah, I think so too. In almost three years, that was the mm-hmm. first person we've interviewed with that, which yeah. is amazing. I didn't even yeah. know that was an option. I know. Well, it's certainly not for us, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, happy to hear that he's doing well. And um, I'm, I, w- I liked hearing her side on the clinical side as well. Yeah. And how it affected her. I knew immediately when she started telling her story that this changed her as a doctor. That's why I asked that question. So thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us today. Yes. And for anyone out there, please share your personal stories. We would love to hear them. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nola Hots. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Pandora. You can share our podcast if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, and you can always rate and review us through the Apple app as well. We appreciate that. We're looking forward to the next episode. Don't forget, no judgment here. It's all about survival. Cheers. Cheers.